Hey everyone, I'm Logan, and I'd like to welcome you to this month's episode of the Blue Post Podcast. We're going to be discussing Game of Thrones, specifically the fact HBO's already said they're working on five possible spinoffs, so we'll go into our own little theories about what those will be. But we also discuss the fact that the show has moved on beyond the books, and some of us are fans of the books. So what has it been like for us, and also what's it been like for the community that the show has continued on while the books are still, well, Jon Snow's dead. In the books, Jon Snow is still dead. Game of Thrones, of course, comes out later this month. New trailer just hit. Does anyone have any thoughts before we go into like the bulk of everything? Looks Wait. awesome, and I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I was mean, gonna like, say I don't want to like. It's about it. Well, then he's I, trying to like not do trailers because he likes to just have it fresh. So, like, right? I yeah, I don't. Okay, so it's not that I don't watch trailers. It's just that I'd like to bare minimum. Yeah, like. If I see it, I see it, whatever. But I'm not going to, like... If someone sends it to me, I'll be like, eh, I'll watch it eventually. And I never do. Because I'm always trying to, like... I do this with movies, too, where I'm trying to, like, just see it the first time and not be like, oh, that was in the trailer. I, oh, that was in the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of do that with Star Wars. I'll eventually yeah. shut everything down. But um, I guess my thing would be the music. That was the thing that yeah. really I really liked mm-hmm. was the music in the trailer. Just It helped set the feeling and the mo- uh, mood. But we really have two topics we're covering in this month's episode. The first one is the fact that they've already more or less confirmed that HBO is working on, I believe, five different spin-offs for Game of Thrones. It's ridiculous. You'd think they would just start off by saying, oh yeah, we're thinking about like one spin-off, just see how it goes. But no, five. Five. So are they confirmed or are they not confirmed? They haven't confirmed what they are. But they've they said are, we are doing spinoffs. They are developing five different spinoffs. Okay. That doesn't necessarily where that mean... goes. We don't know. Sure. But yeah. they, but they have. They're in the. They're currently in the works for five spinoffs. It, yeah, it could very well mean that we get, see all five on screen. It could mean only one ever actually makes it out of development. Or but none. it's yeah, I doubt none. But I'm saying it, it right now. We just know that they're planning for five. Right. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. That means HBO is basically not just doubling down on this fantasy universe they're basically i don't want to say betting the farm but it looks like their long-term strategy is game of thrones and westeros well i mean it's like i'm sure they're looking back on like what harry potter did because harry potter came from the same idea where it was like there was a a novel fiction that the that they made movies out of and instead of making movies they made this tv series the same idea though this is fantasy universe and, like, when Harry Potter was over, there was, like, this hole in everybody's hearts, you know? Everybody was like, I want more, I want more. And then eventually, um, J.K. Rowling made Pottermore, which is, like, kind of, okay, cool. But, like, there was nothing. To give people this, like, you know, we're coming up on the finale, it's like, there will be something else, just wait for it, is, like, I think really smart. I think the difference, though, with this one is that, with Harry Potter in particular, we knew... The ending. We knew sure. kind of where it was going and, and how many books there were going to be and stuff like that. Where, like, right now with Game of Thrones and with, with Songs of Ice and Fire, we don't know where that end point mm-hmm. is and, like, kind of yeah. where that's going, mm-hmm. which makes it a little different. I think HBO's <clears throat> stance of it is just kind of like. Like, J.K. Rowling always came out and said, There's seven books, that's it, that's all I'm doing. Right. And, of course, she kind of backtracked on that and kind of, you yeah. know, Pet Pottermore and then. Uh, Cursed Child. Cursed Child and then penned the Fantastic Beast films, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but. Um, George R. R. Martin has kind of said he doesn't really know where he's going to go with this. He knows he he knows how many books he's writing, but yeah. where he goes in terms of spinoffs or extra well, yeah, pieces that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why the current book that's been delayed, and we'll go into the book delays in a bit, um, was he was working on World of Ice and Fire, right. which mm-hmm. is basically this gigantic atlas and encyclopedia 
all about the history of Westeros. There's a ton of material they can draw upon. Mm-hmm. And that's that, probably why they're doing the spinoffs is because they're like, yeah. oh, he just made this huge book for us that gives us all these ideas, all this material. I admittedly haven't read it. It's something I, I want either. to get. But I've gotten the sense from people who have looked at it that Martin might have even gone more in-depth than Tolkien ever did right. with the history of Westeros with Tolkien with Middle-earth, which is insane because Tolkien went crazy deep. If Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit had gotten as popular as it is now in when Tolkien was still alive, yeah. how huge that would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tolkien would have gone nuts mm-hmm. if he had the sort of public fervor that that and George Martin had, gets to have that. Gets, Tolkien did see the success of Lord of the Rings. It caught him off guard, but I right. think I think it's more the media landscape today allows right. there to be this close connection to where Tolkien, yeah, he did have some interaction with fans, but he never felt like this fire mm. under him like Martin does from the fan base. Lord of the Rings first came out, and when Tolkien first kind of, when that universe first was popular, Tolkien's notes and sort of the backstory that he had wasn't really fully fleshed out. Like, we didn't have the, uh, the Sumerian and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, we didn't he, see he that. He had, like, an outline, but he never actually finished. Right. Right, and he never put that up publicly. So, I mean, yeah. then that came out after he died. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big Tolkien nerd, and I know you are, too. Yeah. I mean, like, I know I know Middle-earth, like, the back of my hand, more so than Westeros. And oh, so, sure. like, kind of seeing that world fleshed out, I would love to see that. I mean, the, the Tolkien family doesn't want it. Yeah, the Tolkien family doesn't anymore. want it, but I... I mean, I would love to, and that's sort of what I want for Westeros, is sort of seeing how far they can take this, but my my concern is just them milking it. Right. Yeah. Because um, that was my thing, too. It wasn't that, oh, they're doing more inside Westeros. It's, they're doing five? Yes. And it Very was, aggressive. And the, it wasn't just only aggressive. There are some stories inside the universe where it seems like, okay, there's a natural fit. Robert's Rebellion, and a lot of people have clamored for that, as possibly... There was even talk of some people were saying maybe that's what they'll do as like a break because Martin's still writing the book. Maybe they'll do like a season that's Robert's Rebellion. There's also the other series that Martin has written inside the universe, Duncan Egg. Mm-hmm. But HBO has already confirmed that Duncan Egg is not one of the ones they have in development. Right. So it's like, what what are they drawing upon? Are they just trying to like do something after Game of Thrones? Are they trying to do something like uh, the initial Targaryen invasion? Like. No one really knows what they're doing, and with the amount that they're saying, it's like, is there really enough... It isn't a question of, is there enough in the universe to draw upon? It's like, is there enough for actually five good shows in that universe where it's not literally milking it to death? Well, see, the Mm. thing is, though, they're going to come up with anything to just keep milking the franchise. That's really what it's about, right? Like, let's just keep this going because we're reaching the end of our biggest moneymaker and things that people love... We have to have more. We have to keep having more right. go. And and they are making backup plans if that fails too. I mean, they, right? Uh, I think yeah, let's not undersell Westworld. No, and Westworld, and they just announced that they're doing Watchmen. They're playing yeah, Watchmen. Uh-huh. Oh, they're doing as Watchmen. A, I didn't know that. TV and so that, series, that's yeah. another world that's extremely deep and and kind of fans have been clamoring for. So I mean, they have backup plans ready to go. Like I'm not scared for HBO here, and 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 the success of Westworld and kind of widening their portfolio makes it so that we don't have to worry as much about the Game of Thrones spinoffs. It's not like they're only relying on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right? They have they have some cushion there to sort of make sure that these are good enough. I guess my thing is, like, with these spinoffs, at least it sounds like it's going to be different characters. Because if they were trying to just do continuations of the same thing, right. I wouldn't really be on board with that. But because they're be, just, it's going to be totally different it'd stuff. It'd be Joey in Westeros, and then no one wants that. For a lot of the characters, it feels like when this story ends, their story kind of ends as well. well depending on how they end it, right? I mean, we don't right. even know if anybody's going to be alive. Well, the at joke the end has of this. the joke yeah. has been with 
before even the show was made, the joke was that it was going to end in a field of graves. Yeah. So who knows what Martin has planned. I guess I hope as a fan that they aren't just... I don't want them to just do it for the sake of doing it. I right, want there yeah. to actually be a uh, amount of care and thought put into it. And right now we're still only getting preliminary details. So it, for all we know, HBO is being very deliberative about it. Really quickly, the thing to note is especially for the last season that we did watch, look at the actors that they got for the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, What are their contracts? What are they doing next? Stuff like that. And, and that can kind of give you a tell of what they're working on. Because if they do go into Robert's Rebellion, which... They've already got a cast. They already have a they, cast, right? right? They, they don't need much there to, to do anything with, especially if they just use that core. And that core went over very well. Those flashback sequences are probably some of the most kind of well-received scenes in mm-hmm. that entire season, mm-hmm. so... Do we know if George Martin's, like, even looking into spinoffs with them? Or is he kind of not... Is he not attached to that very, at all? He's been very hands-off. He's been very That's hands-off. That's what I thought. And okay. Martin has kind of backed away, because he used to write an episode a season. And then he stopped... I, I don't remember if it was with five, but I know he stopped with six. Yeah. And it was because he realized he was being stretched too thin between convention appearances, writing the book, writing and working with Game of Thrones, working on World of Ice of Fire. He had too much... Don't forget much... his Sharknado 3 cameo. Oh, right. a Sharknado 3 cameo that I didn't know about. He was editing anthology books as well. He just had too much on his plate. So he's cut back on his convention appearances to the point where the only ones he's just shown up in recently were ones where he was contractually obligated to show up and had been contractually obligated for a few years. Right. Yeah. Um, just so he can only concentrate on writing the books. I, and I know, particularly for World of Ice and Fire, I think he's hired um, or contracted at least uh, sort of uh, historians, like Westeros yeah. historians, to help him work with and that. these so are prominent people from the fan community yeah. who had a damn near encyclopedic knowledge of the books. Yeah, so just so that he doesn't have to go ahead and cross-check and, and do it himself. He has people to go ahead and do Save that time. for him. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about sequel or uh, spin-offs that we want to see. Okay, yeah. Okay, so, so I want to go first. I really want to see a Hot Pie spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Hot Pie like separate of all the important characters. Like, what does he do? Where does he go? How does he, does he just stay in that place forever and make pies? Like, I want to know. So that's that's my spinoff. So game of hot pies. Game. I think like putting putting aside Robert's Rebellion and sort of the the obvious ones like the yeah. Targaryen invasion stuff like that. Like just putting those all aside, I really want to see more of depending on where her character goes, Melisandre. I really want to see. That's what I was going to say. Really the magic. See, what yeah, kinda? I want to see what what that really is, and sort of when we meet her and sort of everyone part of that faith they're kind of on their back foot mm-hmm. they're not as sort of prominent as they were like what were they in their heyday right right so like like well, to me, hundreds of years old right you and so like a to, lot with that. To, to me it's the way you see obi-wan in a new hope and you go back and you see him in the prequels and like you're like oh that's where he came from but we want that with i them. want that with melisandre of like yeah. oh that's what they were in the heyday of like this is this is the golden age of same because sort of that's like a, one of those things that has never been answered and i just keep going when are they gonna tell me what right. this is that that's that's what i was gonna say too same thing High five yeah because that's the one thing that I, like, when they finally showed her, like, take off the necklace and get yeah. old, I was like, are we going to get answers? And then nothing. No. Yeah. I was just like... They just skipped right over it. Yeah, I was so upset. I've seen a few people theorize this might be one of them online, but I really like the idea of it, is the Blackfire Rebellion. Because I don't think they ever talk about it in the show. No, they There's don't. bastard the children of a Targaryen 
king make a claim for the throne, and it leads to basically an all-out civil war, and it's called the Blackfire Rebellion. I think it's also sometimes referred to as the Dance of Dragons. I think that one might be interesting, especially since they've already said like there's a couple that they weren't going to do. It makes sense, especially if you want political intrigue. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good time to do a Game of Thrones spinoff. The other one, like, okay, so Hawkeye is my, my one, but then, like, I have a serious one, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I also... Of course, yeah, that's not the well, there are five <laughs> spinoffs, I mean, it's... so we need five suggestions. Oh, okay, yeah. for sure. So, you know, someone at HBO is totally just like... <coughs> right, he's hot, watching our podcast and hot. writing he's all this one stuff. Of, he's one of our ten subscribers. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. So, um, the other one I would really want to see is not so much a... Well, I guess it's a spinoff. So, like, it's not about, like, oh, on a different time or whatever. It's, like, the the like faceless man kind of like assassin cult basically Westeros Assassin's Creed yeah hell yeah I mean Bravo's Assassin's Creed you know what I'm saying <laughs> but like yeah I want to see that because there's a lot of stuff in that what they're who doing. people are yeah. what they're doing why they do what they do like they don't answer any questions right. about that kind of stuff because it's all mysterious and whatnot so I would love to really see more of that world and god I can see that being so frustrating though it's oh, as a show yeah. can you imagine yeah. it's, it's like a show about nothing it's like Doctor Who but like every episode you're switching dudes <laughs> <laughs> For the three of us, because we've read the books, and I know, Charles, you haven't, how do you feel watching the show Eve, being now ahead? Because I remember when I first started watching the show, that's actually what got me to read the books, was Same. all the promotional stuff for it. I'm like, oh, this sounds oh, really I watched interesting. Like, I watched like three seasons, and I was like, oh, I should probably read these, because right. I don't want to yeah. wait anymore between seasons. Because I remember starting to read Dance with Dragons right around the time I started watching the show. And the sh- it was all the promotional stuff for the show that got me to read the books. But it was always really cool to know what was coming next. I right. felt like I had a better understanding of the universe as well, even just to start with. But like when the Red Wedding happened, like we all knew what was about to happen, so we could sit there and like gauge everyone else's reaction because we knew I what didn't, was coming. Because I watched that season first, I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" And then when I was reading, I was like, "Here it comes! Here it comes!" Watching the fan community when, because I started reading around the time the show got big. There was a lot of great fan discussion. A lot of mm-hmm. everyone was just really hyped. But it seems like as the shows progressed and the books haven't met that pace, it seems like the community has become more and more agitated. Not like angry, but more like antsy. Like everyone's kind of starting to stop talking necessarily about, hey, let's talk about the books and more like, Hey, let's talk about our own theories about when Martin's going to have the book published. I don't know. Is that something you guys have felt, like, as readers? Do you feel that same antsiness? Um, No. I mean, for me, it's a little different just because I I compare it to a lot of of how I felt about The Walking Dead, right? So I was, yes. a, I was a fan of The Walking Dead comics. Me too. Uh, as soon as The Walking Dead started making major changes to their, for good or bad, yeah. m- making changes to, to the story and, like, major changes to the story... I sort of learned to divorce myself from... They're two different things. ...from them. Mm -hmm. um, As, like, here's a comic, here's a show. Yep. And so once I did that, and I was able to do that for Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire, it made it a lot easier for me to handle. Because they're very different. They're They're almost, like, two different things. They are very different. They even have different names. Like, it's Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire. Like, it's very different things for me. As a Game of Thrones fan, I'm excited to see the show continue and stuff like that. As a Song of Ice and Fire fan, yeah, I want the next book, but, like, I'm not jealous of the show for being ahead if that makes right, sense. Right, we want quality, no. right? right? And we know he's taking his time and that he was working with the show and it, we're going to get something good from waiting. It's going to be a good book when we finally right. get it. And that's okay. We have the show to tide us over till then, right? I know for me, I, I like you, I'm able to differentiate between the show right. and the books where I, I see it in the fan community because I liked 
used to like a lot reading stuff on mm-hmm. r slash um, soif mm-hmm. because there was a lot of crazy good theory writing in there where people would do these really in-depth uh, readings of the novel and come up with these amazing, beautiful theories. And it's just, for me, the most disappointing fact isn't the fact that the show is now ahead of the books. It's that the community that I enjoyed reading became so, like, worn out right. because of just how much time has passed. And I don't think it's necessarily a problem that the show has gone past it as much as the amount of time has been so long that the community is starting to wear itself out. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, won't they probably... It'll probably pick back up once the book Once the out. book's out again. Yeah. And that was actually one thing I enjoyed as someone who reads the books and watches the show, was there were some fan theories that we basically got confirmed in the last season. Been a year since I watched it, but they basically confirmed R plus L equals J. Yeah. They, uh, the hold the door thing was actually... I didn't realize it until after the episode aired, but someone had actually made a theory that Hodor was saying had been hold the door, and it had been a theory someone had first proposed like years prior, and that was confirmation of that, right. of a small nothing tinfoil theory. It's been really nice that we've been able to still have those theories confirmed, but I get, I still get why other people haven't been able to make that separation. it's going to be interesting to see if in the, in the books moving forward, you know, what what is George Martin going to change, right? Like, is he actually going to keep some of these theories that have been confirmed on the TV show the same? I would, or, I would think the major points, yeah. Well, well yeah, I because mean, they're, they probably already talked with him and right. they were already a, a big and thing. And R plus but, L equals J has been a theory since the first right, book came out. Right, I think that, I think I remember we were watching a behind-the-scenes thing for that one, and it was like, the that was the reason that they let those two guys do they the show. Yeah, yeah, because he like, because they knew, they, guessing, they knew who, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, said, they guessed they it, said, but it was like John Snow's an educated. Yeah. Who's John yeah. Snow's parents? And they knew. Yeah. And that, yeah. it meant that they at least they read either, the books and they yeah. were very well educated on mm-hmm. either read the books or they read more than Wikipedia. It's never been in my experience looking at people talk about it that there, it's concerns with the creation or the showrunners of Game of Thrones. There's some people who take issue with them. And it seems like they've been getting a little louder, but I wonder how much of that is just the community is kind of getting just, restless. I think it's just like starved for content, right? Yeah, like, yeah I think look so. At, look at the Star Wars community after after episode six, right? In between yeah. episode six and one, like that, we lost a lot of Star Wars community there because it's just, you know, what is now the expanded universe wasn't just wasn't enough yeah. to hold them over, right? And then after the prequels to Force Awakens, like that's another decade of we want more right and this well, is, it's just a starving community you have to feed the starving community mm-hmm. yeah well I mean you do if you want to maintain it, it right. but like at the end of the day people are going to come back no I mean, like, I, I'm just saying for the for what Logan's saying of like people kind of getting Con- uppy and, and, and continuing and, and, to talk about yeah. it it's not a commotion yeah. anymore because it's been too just long people being needy <laughs> well, there's I'm like a- get over there's other stuff to like you know what I'm saying true, yeah. true. but there's even people who uh, have basically, they, I don't want to say boycotted the show, but they were just like, I'm not going to watch until the books come out. Like they, oh, I have they a friend wa- that's doing yeah, that. They yeah. watched the show, but it hit the point where they're like, no, I love the books too much that I don't want them spoiled by the show. And I actually, if you do that, I respect that. Yeah, that's great. But yeah. it's not something I necessarily am interested in. I'll, I'll read the book when it comes out. I'll... Well, and like we said, you know, they're, they're very different things now. So, I mean, it, like you said, I mean, if you want to do that, more power to you. Like, that's some sheer willpower. But, you know, they're very different. So, you know, I don't really feel like watching the show spoils whatever's going to come up in the next book necessarily. Because it could be very different. 
Well, I guess that's the difference between different kinds of readers, right? So some readers will just read because they enjoy the world and they, you know, and they enjoy the the the, the book itself and stuff. And it sounds like these people are just reading for the plot, right? If if you're just like holding out because you don't want the show to spoil the book, it's like like a book is not in invalidated because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, like a, a book's really about the journey. But, as but not Jesus knowing what's going to happen is like an experience, right? Because then when you read it and it's revealed in text, it's like that's a journey that you don't get to have that's the true. same way. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's like almost the moment your favorite book gets made into a movie, you can't stop seeing that actor as that mm-hmm. character. At least Game of Thrones has hit expectations of fans, or at least it should have. That show is absolutely fantastic. It's award-winning. It's It's probably going to go down as one of the greatest spectacles in a TV show that we've ever seen. No, but I don't yeah. think you even have to qualify it as a TV show. I think it's probably going right. to be one of the biggest spectacles in uh, popular culture. You might even go to that. I was just going to say, like, the the spectrum of people that watch that show is astounding to me. Because, Absolutely. like, you can take somebody that watches that show and be like, watch Lord of the Rings, and they're like, nah, I'm not into it. Right. And you're like, how can you like this show but not like any of these other things? Appointment television died except for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. probably the only show that can say people will plan their day around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, sex. Well, it's just all the sex. <laughs> if you are familiar with E3 or the Electronics Entertainment Expo, it's where press and retail buyers gather to see what games developers are working on that should be coming out in the next year or so. That way, retail buyers know what to buy and press knows what to cover. We're very lucky here at Team Blue Post because our very own Chris Okamura was able to attend E3 this year. He and I sat down and discussed his own experience at E3. Chris, you were just at E3, so before we go too crazy deep, I have, <laughs> I have to ask about... Battlefront 2. I know you played it. How was it? Uh, it's awesome. It, it reminded me a lot of, uh, strangely enough, Battlefront 2, of the, of, the, <laughs> of the one that everyone wanted, right? I think EA really took people's concerns to heart. Uh, they added a lot of vehicles, uh, classes, uh, a perk system that isn't really a perk system. It reminds me of what Halo started to do for their uh, big battle modes. Oh, where you would where have you... like a loadout? Or... Well, it's, it's, it's a thing of where for every action you do, you accumulate sort of a currency, a credit, and then you use those to buy power-ups, whether they're weapons or upgrades or hero characters, things like that. You feel like you're a part of a big battle. And of course, it looks gorgeous. It It looks looks fantastic. I remember seeing some of the footage from E3 and being like, okay, can this game just come out already? (laughs) Now, granted, we were playing it on the Xbox One X and 4K monitors with HDR, so it looked way better than it ever will in my own house. But it, it was still a ton of fun. It looked gorgeous. So, were there any games that really stood out to you? I know there's like a lot. Spider Man got a lot of press, but was there? What were your favorites that you got to experience? Uh, my game of the show was a tie between Spider Man and Super Mario Odyssey. Super Mario Odyssey just feels like Mario, and it feels fantastic, and it it's everything that I wanted, right? And especially now that it's going to be on the Switch and it's going to be on the go, being able to jump in, play Mario, jump out really quick is it's going to be a ton of fun. I had an appointment with Nintendo. I played for 15 minutes and it was the one game that I would have waited in line to go and play it again. Any other standouts besides those two? 
I mean, Sea of Thieves was fun, but it wasn't any different from what I played last year. It's just, I, I'm ready for that game. Yeah, I saw gameplay of that one, and it looks like it's going to be a fun multiplayer game. We're right. going to have to add to our own little mix here. <laughs> Absolutely. Detroit Beyond Human is another one that we didn't get to play. Uh, I watched someone play it, and they went ahead and demoed it for us and showed us kind of different paths. Uh, I'm a big fan of of what they're doing at that studio. Again, we're waiting for it for a long time, right? So it's Yeah, I remember seeing, I think, a trailer for it, like, Right. Two years ago? And so, yeah, it, it's been it's been a long time coming. I'm so excited for that. This E3 was strange because there was no real weak point. There's a couple of games where you're like, okay, that's not very good or that's not what, up to par of what I was expecting. But there weren't any huge disappointments. Like, no one really failed this year, but no one really blew out of the water, right? So they're all very top-tier quality games, but nothing really stood out. It, it was all kind of in the middle. I but guess yeah. that's means that we have a good year of games coming yeah, I mean, soon. We, well, we had a historic beginning of the year. We had... Zelda, of course. We had you know the re-release of Mario Kart 8 on the Switch. Persona 5 coming out on PS4. We had Horizon Zero Dawn. Just a ton of quality titles. This is the most stacked the beginning of the year has ever been. We had Mass Effect Andromeda, which yeah. in any other year, beginning of the year, would be a top quality game. But I mean, it's this beginning of the year was so stacked that that probably was one of the weaker titles that we got at the beginning of the year. So I mean, that's insane when you think about it. Everything that came out in the beginning of the year sort of set us on this pace of like, what's the rest of the year going to look like? It's going to look insane. So for anyone that hasn't been to E3 before, so you either have an on-hands appointment or hands-on appointment where you're sitting there playing the games and they kind of just let you go, right? They give you the yeah. control of like, go, okay, go for it. Where other times it is you sit in a room with a bunch of other people that have that appointment time and then uh, you watch one of the devs play the game. And so they walk you through things. You can ask them to perform certain actions or things that you want to see. Like, so, like, bigger games like Spider-Man or, like, God of War were those, and Detroit were sort of the, uh, we're going to play it for you. You're, you're going to play for you, you're not here. Yeah. Oh, so the one that I do want to bring up that I'm super crazy excited for, and I never knew how much I wanted it, was Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And I don't know, look, have you seen the trailer for this, Logan? No, I have not. So it looked gorgeous. And, look, you're laughing now. When, you, when I show you the trailer, you're going you're gonna to freak out. <laughs> It looks gorgeous. It's awesome. I sort of compared it to what South Park A Stick of Truth did for South Park in terms of it looks exactly like what the show is. It's exactly what you would want in a South Park game. That's what this game is doing for Dragon Ball. It blew me away. It really did. I laugh because I feel like Charles would be the one more excited than me because <laughs> I never got into like Yu-Gi-Oh! or Dragon Ball or anything like that. Right. This also, it was uh, E3. This was the first time public had been allowed in. It's, it's an industry be, show. It's an industry show, so it was press and buyers, but buyers have kind of... Is that even really a thing anymore? They're still there. I mean, they're still... So, funny thing. There was there was no separate line for public and industry, but there's a separate line for buyers. Buyers are still the reason E3 happens. It's a consumer electronics show. It's for Best Buy. It's for GameStop. It's for Target. It's for these companies to come in and see what they're buying. Do um, you think that the opening up to public is because I see something like PAX as competition? I think so. I think PAX and Gamescom have really sort of pushed E3 to have to let the public in. The problem is there's not really much for the public to do, and all it really caused was a headache. Longer lines. Longer lines, not just for the games themselves, but just getting to appointment to appointment was difficult. It was just a thing of, I'm not going to fight through that crowding. It lost in there. Yeah, I remember you telling me, describing the line, and I immediately made a comment of, like, I have never had that problem even at Comic-Con. And right. Comic-Con is usually considered, like, the pinnacle example <laughs> of how crazy it can be at something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And the thing was that with E3, again, it's not built to be a, a public show. There aren't that many stations for public consumption, especially since they let in 
you know, 15,000 people. It's a lot of people to let into that convention center. And the other convention center is big. The, setup, you, the setup wasn't ready for that. Especially um, since if you were a developer, you're not going to necessarily want the casual player right. to hog all the time if you have a buyer that might be looking right. at it like that. And, or a media person that's going to go ahead and give you coverage for your game. The public perception of what E3 is is very different than what E3 actually is. It's not a Gamescom. It's not a PAX. Uh, most of the people there are there to work. They're there to interview people. They're there to play a game for five, five, ten minutes and then go back and write an article and let people know what it is. I would love E3 to expand. And the thing you have to realize, too, is for public, E3 is three days. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. For the industry side of things, we're there for about a week because of the conferences. You know, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are conferences. So we're there for those. And so by the time we get to Tuesday, we're all kind of exhausted already. And so having to fight through that crowd was just an extra level of headache. Uh, so I would love... It was E3 on hard mode? Right. Kind of kind of was E3 on hard mode. And so I would love to see them take the step that Gamescom and PAX did where they extend it a little bit. So now the event is four days or five days. Maybe do even something like Comic-Con where they have the preview night that is right. specifically for, for press, press trade mm-hmm. and the few people who right. were able to so, buy a four-day pass so what, and paid for it to get into preview night. Right. So what PAX and Gamescom do is they, they are a five-day event and the first two days are press only. And so it lets us get our work done. It lets us kind of figure out what we need to do and, and so that we can relax. We can have fun with the fans. We can sort of enjoy ourselves a little more on a day where we can just kind of hang out and talk to people that, that want to be in the industry, help them out a little bit, things like that. Any other thoughts? No, other than I had a, I had a great time. As hard as it was to move around, it's still a ton of fun. E3 is still a great time. I don't know who won E3 in terms of the best conference, but Bethesda threw the best party <laughs> by far. And I, we'll, we'll throw pictures into the video. We'll throw pictures into the video from my Twitter. So Bethesda, they're... They sent me an email of my invitation to their conference of Bethesda Land. There was this theme park looking like kind of Disneyland looking map. And it was awesome. It had all their games on it. Uh, it had Pip-Boy. It had all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This like They're theming their conference after a theme park. I got there and they had us in this big line. It wasn't in an auditorium. And I was like, this is weird. Like, where are we? Finally, they start to let us in. And I look up and there's a big Bethesda Land banner. They basically and, and, did I, Disneyland. And, I, and I walk in there and someone handed me popcorn and a caramel apple and said, welcome to Bethesda land, handed me a map. And I walk in and there's a Ferris wheel with a Pip-Boy on it. And I was like, oh my God, they made a theme park. And I keep walking around. They gave out turkey legs and lobster rolls. I have a stein that was filled with beer, but it's a, it's a Elder Scrolls stein and you know stuff like that. We're just like, what is this? And they're, you know, they're demoing all their games there as well. So I got to see a lot of those before the conference even started, which helped out a lot. Then Pete Hines, who's the uh, marketing director at Bethesda, do the press conference and he said goodbye to everyone on the stream. And we went back to go party and he goes, wait, if you're still here, the party really starts. And then the Chainsmokers came on stage and they had a full concert. Oh my God. Uh, they handed out ice cream and then in and out showed up and started throwing burgers out in the crowd. Like, <laughs> it was great. I... It was it was insane and and it was a blast and it was a ton of fun. So I wouldn't I would fully expect. It sounds more like some of the stuff that you see at Comic Con, right? Than you would at E3. And so I would expect that to really expand into maybe a bigger theme park and letting everyone in that buys a ticket or things like that. I would expect something like that to happen with with not just Bethesda but everyone. If you enjoyed this month's episode of the Blue Post Podcast, please rate us on iTunes. It helps more people discover us, and, well, it makes us feel less lonely. Please, let us feel loved.
You should also check out our new podcast. It's called Lights, Camera, Reaction, and we discuss old films, classic films, fan favorite films, films that some people just consider bad, and we'll discuss the film and its reputation. You can find that one on iTunes or on our website at www.teambluepost.com.